When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So welcome back to the Base Impact Podcast presented by Suburban Base with me, your host, Danny Donnelly. Um, I've been really enjoying these podcasts over the last few weeks, been getting some great feedback, really appreciate it. So we're starting the year off right, we've got some amazing guests lined up, and um, none bigger uh, than, than the person we're about to present to you now, um, one of my favourite people in the scene, and uh, someone that I used to rave to back in the day, and uh, I have the greatest pleasure in introducing you to the man like Jumping Jack Frost. Frost, how you doing, mate? Hello, Dan. How's it going, brother? I'm good, mate. <laughs> it's going good. It's actually go, going surprisingly good. How's things with you? I'm good. It's good, you know, considering all the madness, the pandemic and everything. It's, you know what I mean? I'm one of these people, my glass is always half full. Do you know what I mean? I love I'm one of those that. guys. I love to My glass that. is always half full, mate. Yeah, I mean, you've always, uh, um, you know, inspired me and, and uh, made me feel positive. I've been living over in the United States for the last several years and um, we've always made time to sort of see each other and catch up with, with each other, which is really nice. Because being over there so far from home, it's nice that there's always a few Brits coming through town and, and you've popped over a few times. It's been nice to see a you. A few times, up. yeah. It's, it's the thing about it as well, because where you are in Los Angeles, People don't know it can be a very lonely town. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I know, I know you're double busy there and all that. Do you know what I mean? You've got a lovely office, by the way. Thanks. I visited you there, right in Hollywood. Got a lovely office, but it, America can be very lonely. It's when you've got your own people coming through every now and again. It, you know what I mean? It was, it's always nice. Do you know what I mean? It, it absolutely nice. is, yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a, a huge city, but it can be very detached sometimes. And, you yeah, know, it's nice man. for me to connect with people from the past. And I've got to big up Rob and respect drum and bass crew because they always, it's like they're just always bringing my mates through. And it's amazing. There's such a strong, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like a personal service for me. They're bringing me mates through town. But it's amazing. There's such yeah. strong, um, you know, uh, vibe for the drum and bass and, and the jungle stuff over there. I mean, you surprised all these years after that, you know, we there's such a global need for, for, what we were doing back then, what's still happening now. I'm still astonished. Like, year to year, week to week, I'm just like, wow, this thing has just got some legs on it, man. But, you know, it's it, we created a culture. We created a culture, you know what I mean? All of us, all of us together, we created a culture. Your label is very much an integral part of that culture from the beginning. So we, create, we created a culture that, that went worldwide. We exported it to the world, so... Yeah, fair play, man. It's got some right legs yeah. on it, and 
Long, was it up? Was that, what I mean, it, mate? It has those foundations that you know it, it, it's been built to last because it has those strong foundations, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so you know, you say, you say, you know, we was there from the start, and suburban base was that certainly there from very early days of, you know, the development of what became drum and bass and jungle, but um, yeah. the very early days when it was hardcore and my label was initially sort of just a, I guess we just call it a rave label we were going out and partying to to you you were one of those names we saw it on a, on a flyer I mean this is like pre-jungle drum and bass um yeah. and you were a, a big name a draw on the flyer right from the start you know from from seeing you on uh you know sort of we're talking about sunrise and and, and those kind of parties how did you get those those huge bookings right from the start how'd you get involved with like uh, events like sunrise and, and stuff well, like that you know i've been playing at the car wash in on lambeth road every friday and saturday night do you know what i mean yeah from acid, early acid house days a lot of the big promoters from the acid scene used to come through there at the weekends because it was it was a, a main spot in south london do you know what i mean yeah so you know i got to meet a lot of people through there and plus, uh, the radio show, do you know what I mean? Which is quite popular at the time, right. Passion Radio. Um, so, you know, I got a lot of a lot of um, attention from early, do you know what I mean? When I was, when I was um, started off from the Acid House days, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was, I was quite fortunate, do you know what I mean? Because a lot of, a lot of this is down to luck as well. Being in the right place at the right time, meeting the right people. And you know what I mean? Because, you know, there's, there are loads of, loads of DJs out there at that time that were probably better than me if, or as good as me or whatever. But it's just being at the right time and being, you know, you know what they say, preparation meets opportunity. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like that, that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? So, cause I'm always prepared for whatever. So yeah. I think, yeah, that's, that's, that's basically it. Yeah, I mean, you're a South London boy. You was already a bit of a face around South London, Brixton boy, right? Yeah, and you was yeah. you made you made it your business to be sort of involved with. I uh, made it my made... business. <laughs> <laughs> you made it your business. You, you made it, you got yourself involved with those events. You knew that's what you want to be part yeah. of. Was there a bit of history before that that we need to know? What led you to DJing at these well, acid house parties in in, in well, the Brixton I was, area? Before I used to, before I used to, I used to go I used to go to Soul to Soul all the time. You know what I mean? I'm very tight with Jazzy B and his brothers and that. Do you know what yep. I mean? So I used to go there. That's, that's kind of where I done. I always say I graduated from the African Centre. Yeah. Because that was like a university. That yep. was like a university. So I'm a graduate of the African Centre. So that's where I kind of started. And I was really loved Rap Attack as well. Do you know what I mean? Alistair was so fucking wicked, man. And so, yeah. yeah. And and these, these events... Uh, like, we... That's where I started off, kind of. You know what I mean? That's like evolved from the rare groove scene i guess and it came and 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 yeah. that aspect of it almost from sound systems you know when you're talking about rap yeah, attack yeah. And, and salt to salt yeah. um yeah. were really sound systems that became these events you know that's exactly that rap attack was a sound system salt to salt was a sound system and they had that sound system vibe with the speakers and everything but the music was just funky do you know what i mean yeah so yeah you know what i mean it's like you know it just evolved and sound systems a big, a big part of the culture of South London and the Brixton area. So, tell us yeah, some thoughts about that sort of growing up, you know? When did that first impact you? When, from when I was about 10, maybe younger, because I used to go to, I used to go to Bally Eye with my dad, do you know what I mean? And that was David Rodigan used to play up there and Josh Shaka and all that. And this is when I was about 10. Yeah. So I used to go there with my dad, do you know what I mean? And I used to go to K 
clouds on a Sunday. Then I started going cat whiskers, like Steve Walsh and Tony Blackburn and yeah. Tim Westwood used to back there. Steve Jackson. I remember that because like Tim Westwood used to carry Steve Jackson, um, Steve Walsh's box. Yeah. yeah. Team Wilson used to carry Steve Walsh's box. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you know, I was out, I was out there from when I was young, man. Yeah. That's it. So so music's like always been around, you know, it's, it's part of the family growing always. up. Always. It's just part of the family growing up. My dad used to play music at home. He played the saxophone as well. Do you know what I mean? Just oh, he did? play the sax. Yeah. You know I mean, he wasn't very good, but he'd have a go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that's, that's the story for a lot of us that, uh, you know, ended up sort of developing what became the UK rave scene that evolved into uh, a genre of its own um, because 100%. we had this we had this background we grew up around music and it was just um living living and breathing it right yeah yeah, yeah exactly and and for a lot of us as well i mean i know there's there's you know parts of your book that, that go into you know some times in your life that have been uh, you know a little, a little bit difficult and um music kept yeah, us on the straight 100%. and narrow as well you know That's, uh, yeah if you're from east london if you're well, from south east, at the end of the day yeah sometimes you, sometimes you might you know what i mean like you know with me sometimes i've had my times when i've gone off the rails a little bit do you know what i mean and music's always been the thing to save me and just bring me back and put me back in the straight straight and narrow straight path do you know what i mean always been music first yeah, I've had times because I've, I've been I've been a bit self-destructive over my over my life. I mean, I'm a lot chiller. I'm a lot more chilled now, a lot more leveled now. But there's, there's been times when I was in self-destruct. But I'm grateful yeah. for. I've where got I'm I've now. got to admit, I have noticed. <laughs> you know, in recent years, yeah. You, you, yeah. whenever I have a chat with you, like you're the voice of reason, and um, yeah. it's nice yeah. to see. Do you know what I mean? I know we all get a little bit older and wiser and stuff, but yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, well, I, I like yeah, to listen 100%. to you. I know you're involved with some some sort of uh, good causes and charitable kind of. Um, yeah, I'm, I've just become an ambassador for. We are Hummingbird Mental Health and Self Suicide Prevention. Um, it's a non-profit organisation, so and I'm, I'm doing some training and all that with them. Yeah, you know, just to be able to, you know, give help out and you know, because especially now during lockdown, it's tough, mate, for us. Yeah, for everyone. Do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. really tough. So, it's, you know, the uh, suicide's gone through the roof. Mental health people's mental health has gone through the roof. So, you know, if I can do anything to kind of help out with anything like that, then I'm more than willing to do that. Yeah, now I take my hat off to you, man. You know, it's um, it's a def definitely a good cause, and um, there's uh, there's definitely a therapeutic kind of element to to music yeah. and why we all love yeah. it and why we all connect with it. You know, yeah. it can change yeah. your mood without a doubt. And 100 uh, being involved with um, and we can put we can put the details on here. We are hummingbird.com, I guess, yeah. and yeah. we can put the details. Yeah at the end of the podcast and and i know you're sort of very passionate and i've, I've seen you speaking out about sort of knife crime and, and sort of looking out for young men in, in sort of south london and stuff um that are going yeah down trying to route. trying to keep them because you know like <coughs> some of these kids out here just keep keying each other over postcodes and stuff like that which is crazy, crazy you know what I mean? so i try my best to you know what i mean if i can just like you know get involved with causes that can give opportunities to some of these guys to see if they can live a better life or, or to have better opportunities and better options in that. Yeah. So and do, do you make music do you make music part of that? Do you do you sort of like encourage them, look, this is yeah, an escape yeah. for me. It got me yeah, in yeah, That's music's the music's my thing. So that's the thing that I can always use to 
interact with these, some of these kids because everyone loves music. So it's something that um, even the baddest of the baddest kids, they all want to rap, but they all want to do something to do with music, don't they? You know yeah. what I mean? So it's a way to get to them and to show them that there is another way and there are other options. Yeah, I mean, we did. That's what we wanted to do, and it, it you know, kept exactly because you we, know we all we all we all had aspirations. You know, some of us had different aspirations when we were younger. And your aspirations change. Sometimes you go off off the straight and narrow a little bit, but then when you get into this music thing, it just you know it's it saved us, didn't it? Do you know what I mean? It did. I mean, it was still a little bit dubious legally. I mean, we're doing we're doing illegal pirate yeah. radio. We're we're breaking yeah, into yeah, warehouses yeah. and doing illegal raves. But yeah, you know, yeah, it was all yeah. for a bigger a bigger cause. Yeah, and, a, uh, a bigger cause, mate. A big picture. Absolutely. So tell us about those early days. I know that's what listeners want to hear. You know, what was um, the journey that took you from you know headline DJ to running a label to really ingraining yourself as part of this foundation? I think it's just uh, me and Brian have always kind of you know we was always around people at labels we used to always be up at Republic Records with Dave Lee who's Joe is yeah. aka Joe Joey Negro yeah we spent a lot of time with, with him when we was young up at um Republic which they were in King's Cross at the time <laughs> so yeah we spent a lot of time there and a lot, a lot we learned a lot there and that was just that kind of coincided with the whole rave scene and so yeah I was playing at a lot of acid house parties and that and you know obviously the natural progression is to want to have your own label. Mm-hmm. So we we just we decided to start a label, and it just went from there really because we lived the culture so much. It's just that it just, it just seems effortless to go from one step to the other. Do you know what I mean? Because you are living it. You wake up every morning. You want to know what that tune is. Do, 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 do. You know what I mean? You're on the phone and you're sorting out your records and you're making sure your art. You know what I mean? You start, you live it. So it naturally you develop with the scene and take all the steps that the scene are going to take. Yeah, yeah. And and linking up with the, the infamous Brian G was, was an yeah. integral part of that, of the label forming itself. Yeah, yeah, Can you yeah, tell yeah, us, yeah. Like, you know, a little bit of background on that? How did you, you and well, Brian kind of meet up? We met because and... Brian was selling weed and I went up to his house to buy some weed a couple of times. And then I saw him, I saw him one time playing in a pub and I was selling watches at the time. I'd robbed a, I robbed a, um, a lorry with a load of watches in it. And I was selling them. I had about 20 watches left and I, and I was waiting in a pub. And I was like, who wants to buy a watch? Do you know what I mean? And he was like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'll buy one after I finish playing my set. And I was like, well, I know these tunes. So it was a Sunday, I just sat there and I had a couple of drinks waiting for me. I was like, yeah. And then, and then we started talking about music and then he, and then I said, yeah, I've got loads of those records. And he was like, man, you should come on, try and come on the pirate station with us, man. And that's how we met, do you know what I'm saying? Okay. That's how we met. And and this it ended up forming one of the longest lasting sort of um, uh, creative partnerships in 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 the rave scene, really. You know, you're still yeah, yeah, friends yeah, now. Yeah, and, yeah. You know. When you look at it, yeah, it's that you know, even in this pandemic, we talk every day on the phone, laugh, make jokes. Yeah, we. So it is. It, it's been a long time. Been yeah, long time. I, I think it's nice that so many of us, um, you know, from you know, let's call it foundations or whatever that still keep in yeah. touch and still look out for each other. I know I, from my point of view, you know, I know every now and then you'll just drop me a, a little message on, oh, on yeah. Messenger always, and go, yeah. you're right, Dan, just, you know what I mean? Yeah, As always, things go, you know, Nice, always, you know? Or, 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 no, I think the last one I said was, it's like, yo! <laughs> <laughs> yo! 
That yeah, it, they're just checking each other off, and it's kind of nice. Yeah, um, mate, just making sure. Do you know what I mean? And 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 Brian, I mean, it's probably one of the best A and R is in the game. I know mm. when I was running Suburban Base, I weren't really looking outside of our own crew or listening to demos yeah. or anything like that. But um, Brian's got a great set of ears and know he's got, he's what's going to work. He's right? Got, he's, he's got he's got a great ear. He could pick a two out for oh no, he's good at developing artists, seeing some potential in someone and helping them to develop that with serum. Like he you know what I mean, he's serum, he, you know, we, we had serum around us for a long time. And we just watched him grow into and develop and do and a lot of that was down to Brian, you know what I mean? Command strange, the same thing. A lot of the artists, Brian's yeah. really good at um, helping them to flourish. You had well. like Dillinger engineered, like one of your early tunes. You, you had, uh, you know, Ronnie Size on the yeah, Dillinger, he, he, Dillinger, those guys. Yeah, yeah, Dillinger, Dillinger engineered Leviticus, the burial. Crazy. Dillinger I mean, like, you know, look, look, that, look, yeah. look at the people that came through, you know. Um, it's, uh, you had all the boys with us, man, from early, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're lucky to have. And I, I know one of the exciting things for me, being a raver, being a fan, was going out to the raves and hearing your record drop. Did you still get that part? I mean, you was already a big name in the scene by then. You yeah, know, when you, when you heard Leviticus get a rewind, you know, every time Mate, it's that's, out, like, that's nice. There's, there's, yeah. there's no better feeling than that, man. Do you know what I mean? There is no better feeling than that. And that record became so massive. Do you know what I mean? Seriously, that's like a... That's, uh, that can be better than sex sometimes, man. Seriously. <laughs> that feeling, seriously. That, it's, like, it's addictive it's as well. That it's feeling is addictive. And, that particular song that gave you um, the title for your book, one of the lines from that gave you the title for your book. Yeah, so yeah, you're now yeah, an author. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you're Frost the, the author. Tell us about the book. The author. And how well, that came about and, and how you feel about it, well, how it represents you. Well, Billy Bunter, Billy Bunter put out a couple of books before and he came to me, he's like, mate, you know what? I think you do a good book, you know what I mean? You fancy it. And I was just like, you know what? I don't know, do you know what I mean? And I thought about it. And I was like, yeah, why not? Do you know what I mean? And then it, I spoke to someone on the phone for a couple of hours every day for about three months. And then that was it. Do you know what I mean? It just went from there. And it's been, you know, it's been um, it's been received so well. I was kind of shocked myself. Do you know what I'm saying? We had a great launch party as well, a really good launch party. Um, that was like, I'll never forget that. That was a really good night. But yeah, having a, having a book out is quite strange. I think because you were very honest. There's a lot of stories in there. I think a lot of people wouldn't have... Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to do a biography and have every yeah. story of my life in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? I think it's very yeah. honest, very frank. You know, it was like a, a waltz and all kind of account. And I mean, people appreciate that. At the time, I was quite reluctant to be so honest. Do you know what I mean? I thought, oh, I say this enough. But as I got into it, I thought, listen, if you're going to do this, just do it properly. Do you know what I mean? If you're gonna do this, just do it properly. Because at first I thought, ah, oh, leave that out, leave that out. But then I thought, no, just do it. If you're gonna do it, it's not every day you get the opportunities to do autobiography. It's not an opportunity that comes around. Do you know what I mean? So if you do it, do it properly. And there's a lot of stuff in there about like mental health and things like that that I felt needed to be heard, just to maybe to help other people as well. Yeah. Which was one of the best things I got out of doing the book was I had a lot of people come to me afterwards and say, thanks for talking about that, because it really helped me. Out of, out of everything about the book, that's the thing I get the most satisfaction from, because I've had that. Every now and again, someone else comes and says it, 
And, I, and it just always makes me feel good to yeah. know that my experiences could have helped someone else. Do you know what I mean? I agree. Me you know, good. if your if your words can help and influence or inspire, yeah, or, yeah, you know, just yeah. just be a bit of support. You know, and then uh, yeah, hundred percent, yeah, value. Especially in when it comes to things like people's mental health. Some people struggle, you know, with depression and stuff like that, and you know, they don't talk to people about it and stuff. So if I could talk about my struggles with it. I mean, so frankly, in a book, and people can see that I can go through it. Think, well, if Frost can go through it, and he's all right, maybe it's all right. I could talk to someone about it. Do you know what I mean? And that's what happened on a few occasions. And I, you know what I mean? And that made me feel so, as I said, that's what I took. That's what I feel the most proud about in regard to the book, that a few people have come to me and said that to me. I felt really good about that. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, through, through all times, but right now, it's, it's a very tough sort of uh, period that the world's going through. And, 100%, uh, you and, know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, any sort of uh, words of uh, inspiration help. I, I try and keep this podcast, you know, a very positive kind of thing. So it's meant to be a feel-good show. Yeah. You know, I talk to yeah. old mates and catch up, and, and I... Um, we, we listen to some music together and I've asked you to select yeah. four songs and, and uh, yeah. including one from your own label we can chat about. A few of these songs here were really important to me as well. So I love I love seeing what people sort of, you know, select. Some people want to go and they pick a load of stuff from the dance music scene or the rave period. And some people go a little bit further back and want to introduce some stuff. I'm going to pull out a record here. Wow. This is one that we're going to play, and I've, I've got the original vinyl. It's probably people aren't watching this on video, and, and it's on a podcast. Some people but... just, some people don't know <laughs> I, that record. That record, I, Sweet I Power. Spent... Let's tell them what it is. Sweet, Sweet Power by James Mason. This is a rare groove kind of anthem from the kind of disco jazz boogie funk, days, man. Boogie, boogie, the boogie days. days, the boogie yes. days. And obviously, you know, I'm a bit of a train spotter, and when I saw that come through, I went, "Yes, that goes. That always goes on my playlist and stuff." And yeah, um, man. let's remind ourselves and and for the uh, audience at home uh, and play a little clip of that and then we'll have a little chat about it and why it was so important to you mate James Mason, Sweet Power, Your Embrace. Um, you know I love that tune. So I've just shown you the the original vinyl copy that I just dragged yeah, out of my collection. Big, um, big tell me why it was important to you and, uh, and, and, and influence, perhaps. That record is like, you know, it just reminds me of Sunday night at African Center, Soul to Soul, in full swing, the dance floor's heaving, People are busting their little footwork moves. It's just, it's just a feel good, feel good record. Do you know what I mean? It's got a feel good factor to it. 
it's just like everything that was correct and right about music at that time is in that record all the layers to it and everything just like a work of art man absolutely and for me for me it predates um a period where i was into rave and raving it was like to me raving was going out to rare groove events and stuff like soul to soul and and um and listening to sort of jazz funk fusion uh two-step yeah. two r&b that kind of stuff it was there was a whole period yeah. where there was even um and i've mentioned it before on the podcast people are going to get bored of it but there was a period where there were warehouse parties that weren't acid house warehouse parties they they were oh yeah um, man you got bobby and shake your finger, finger pop yeah yeah shake <laughs> shake finger pop you know what i mean norman j do you norman know what i mean J yeah so yeah man i was like you know what I mean, Judge yeah. Jules. Judge Jules, Jules, Judge Jules you know was I mean? playing. I mean, yeah, but exactly. You know, Judge Jules was banging at the same time. <laughs> Judge Jules was banging out that tune there. That same tune there, Judge Jules used to slaughter that. You know what I mean? So, you know, there's a, people got history in this thing. You know what I mean? It might look at people like Judge Jules and think, oh, is he like a commercial kind of cheesy house guy? But the guy is steeped in the history in this music. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we were all big fans of this. There's, there's um. There's another uh, tune that you selected. Um, again, for me, the, these are probably things that you were into around the house, you know, your parents playing growing up and that kind of stuff. I got into them in that late 80s. Um, the next tune that you selected, we're going we're gonna to have a little quick listen to, is Eddie Harris, yeah. It's All Right Now. Mm. Uh, another rare groove classic. It's a late 70s, oh, yeah, mid 70s. Mid 70s. I've got 75 here, release. Um, and it's for me, it's one of those tunes that I knew about as a rare groove revival track. And uh, let's have a quick listen to that one and we'll chat yeah. about it on the other side. Big boy team. Eddie Harris, it's all right now. Tune, yeah, such a tune. Such a tune. And tell us why you selected that one. It's the same kind of vibe, like, 
like the um, James Mason, like Africa Center, dancing. It's like that like going to church, the bit where they start clapping. It's all right, clap, clap. It's just like going to church, man. Music, feel good. Just be, just a such a funky record, man. Such like one of my all-time favorites. Sampled you know in mean? loads of stuff from from yeah, you know, hip hop to dance music. And um, yeah, absolutely iconic song. I mean, this must have been an important period for you that um, that late oh, '80s kind of Ray Groove revival. Because that's when you was you were going out clubbing. That is, that's when I was going out clubbing a lot, and kind of learning and learning and watching. And just before the explosion of after Acid House scene, it was just before, like a two years before. You know what I mean? So this is the no period where you off, were a clubber rather than being like a professional yeah. in the scene, being a DJ yourself. Yeah, I was a clubber, I was a clubber. And I was, I was a clubber, but I was, I was on pirate radio, but I wasn't like a professional DJ, I was just a pirate radio DJ. People didn't know about me at that point, you know what I'm saying? And what were you playing on, on pirate radio in them very early days? I was playing tunes like that, the dinner tunes I was playing. You know what yeah. I mean? Eddie Harris, James Mason, that was, that was my forte, man, do you know what I mean? And then, so then boom, acid ass. <laughs> what happened when, when like, you know, the electronic we went, music we went, I, went, of... I went to Click, we went to Click Street one night and it was a rap. That was it, bro. And that her Colin Favour. And that was it. Colin Hud, that was it. Game over. And that was Game it. Over. Converted. Converted in one night. I mean you hear a lot of stories <laughs> like that and you know, people in the scene, uh and uh, it was a rap. Band. They go, they go to one night. Rap. And it's just changed their life forever. One night, one night and a pill. There you go. One night yeah. pill. One night and a pill. <laughs> That's the truth of it. it. When you look on any of these sort of uh, the forums on Facebook and stuff, and all the sort of uh, you know, there's a lot of groups on there where where um, you know ravers kind of have conversations and in the comments and stuff like yeah. that. And everyone's got the same kind of story, you know. They're like, they yeah. went to one night that's uh, one night and a pill. <laughs> <laughs> one night and a pill, yeah. Uh, good name, right good name for a book, maybe. And that's what. Um, yeah, one night and a pill. That's what changed entirely. Changed their perspective on music, their outlook on life, the way they were living. Yeah. And um, one thing that um, has been said before about the scene, and, and we can't sort of emphasise enough, it changed the way uh, communities came together. It changed the atmosphere in the UK. You know, uh, there yeah. was. Uh, terrorist violence in football was down and people were coming together and, and, and you know. 100%, yeah. All, all sorts of it people was coming like, together. It was like people that people that hated each other. Suddenly, they were like hugging the dance floor. People that would fight. Weekends, they were having a fight at the football matches. And then next next year, they're having a couple of pills and they're like, all right, mate, and they're having a cuddle and everything. Cut out the football violence cut out a lot of the gang stuff. Everyone was so loving. It, it's, you know what I mean? It was a, a cultural revolution. Do you know what I mean? It was. It was. And you were part of it, mate. What, what did you see when you, when you look at energy or sunrise and you're looking out at a sea of like thousands of faces? Was, what did you incredible. see? What did that mean to you? Incredible. It was incredible. It was just an incredible feeling. I I kind of built up to it because I'd been at car wash where car wash was a big venue and there was, there's a few hundred in there every week. Do you know what I mean? A few hundred, say 500 in every weekend. Do you know what I mean? Which at that time was a lot of people for me just starting off. And then all of a sudden, boom, I'm at I'm I'm um, the sunrises and the energies. So it was a big jump from 500 to 5,000 upwards. Do you know what I mean? It was quite nerve wracking at first. Do you know what I mean? But then you get used to it. You get used to it. 
You do. I think that if you're not nervous a little bit, then you're not taking it serious. Do you know what I mean? Right. I mean, I appreciate that. I mean, what what did it mean to you though to look out and see so many different people? You know, you you come you come from a community in 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 South London that you know it's uh it's you know a bit of a rough area, and then you you're, yeah, you're, sort of, yeah, yeah, you're seeing yeah. people come together in such a positive way. It meant the world to me because I was influencing people with music, making people happy with music. So just looking at so many people happy because of the music that I'm playing and just because they're all there together. And as you said, people from all different backgrounds and cultures all coming together as one. That's what that music and that's what our scene created. And, you know, who's not going to feel good about that? It's just a beautiful, beautiful feeling. It's important. Yeah, it's important. And, and we're both, Definitely. you know, very privileged to have been oh, played a part in 100%. that at all. Yeah. 100%. Um, you know, with with that in mind, here's another selection that uh, I've asked you to pick some tunes and, and another one here. Um, Bob Marley and the Whalers War. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, very sort of political. In fact, the, the, the words come from a speech from Haile Selassie. To, yeah, uh, if you listen to this now, yeah, it is so, like, it's like, it just, you look at the current climate of the world now. This record is so ahead of its time because yeah. we're talking about now. Yeah. Right now, it's, it remains relevant. It remains 100%, relevant, and, and 100%. Um, yeah, you need to study the lyrics, listen to the lyrics. You know, they're uh, effectively they're the words of Haile Selassie. It's uh, it's such a, an important document of, of his words and his speech, and and you know, put to music by Bob Marley. It's an incredible piece of music. We're gonna have a little listen now, and and again, we'll have a little chat as to why this is so important to you. Until the philosophy which old one race superior and another inferior is finally and permanently discredited and abandoned everywhere is war that until they're no longer first class and second class citizens of any nation until the color of a man's skin is of no more significance than the color of his eyes miss a war that until the basic human rights or go incredible uh bob marley and the whalers war that came out in 1976 you know you're a, a boy growing up in brixton in south london what was the environment you know growing up that period of time in paint paint a picture for us 1976 is crazy because that, that was a heat wave that year it was so hot that summer i think it's one of the hottest summers on record 
1976. And, um, you know, there's a lot of tension in the air from the police who had been framing people with this law called SUS. And um, there's a lot of oppression towards black people, do you know what I mean? Around about that time, do you know what I'm saying? So, you know, there's a lot of tension in the air, especially in the area of Brixton where I live. It was ready to blow, do you know what I'm saying? People wasn't having it. And I think it's only a few years later when my generation, not even my generation, because I was still really young when the first Brixton riots took place, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? That was like but, 81, but the Brixton um, riots. So it's like, it was, it was boiling. 81, around. 81. 81. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it, it, it started boiling around from around 1976, when I was really young. I remember my dad and my, my uncles and that started complaining about police harassment and stuff like that. So we'd had this tension in the community for years before it boiled over. So that record there kind of speaks volumes about the climate at the time because racial discrimination, war, and just like upheaval, do you know what I mean, in the community was was rife. So you know, that, that record's a good representation of that period of my life, you know what I mean? Yeah, and we could do well now in, in the current climate to, you know, learn lessons from, from that period and from, you know, politically motivated 100%, music like 100%. this. Yeah. We love talking about music and uh, we, we could sit and play and, and listen and, and chat about music all day long, mate. But we did mention a track earlier on from your own label. And um, I'd like to sort of go back and have a little listen to that and just uh, remind uh, the listeners at home, um, you know, okay. about that tune and um, discuss a little bit more, you know, your career and your label. Um, let's just have a little listen to uh, The Burial by Leviticus. go the the burial by leviticus um a tune that 
really just established uh, V recordings on the map and such a uh, one of my favorites, such a big tune for me. Um, absolutely adored that tune and, and that was like the anthem of uh, 1994 when it came out for so many people. That's crazy, man. <laughs> absolutely love that tune, you know, and um, the, the interesting thing, I, I didn't even realize this until sort of, I, I sort of was checking it out coming into this show. Dillinger Engineering, it, Optical was involved with the production of it. It's like, well, you know, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you how it went. Um, Dillinger, Optical engineered that mix there. That yep. mix there has got my sister singing on it. Or yep. she sings first and say, yeah. That's yep. my sister, Yolanda, singing that. She's not actually like a proper singer, but I, I heard her singing in the shower sometimes. And I thought, I need someone to sing on this record. So I just went and knocked on the door. I said, I need to come and sing something for me. And she's like, what, what? And I said, I'll tell you when I get there. Because the thing about it, we had to drive across London to the studio at Roller Express. That's when we recorded it, at Roller Express. Oh, really? Vocals. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we recorded, right? So. So in my experience, if you tell someone what they're going to sing before you get there, they overthink it so much yep. that sometimes it might not work. Do you know what I mean? They get and nervous. And, a, a, yeah, yeah wish she wasn't like a, I just said, I'll tell you when we get there. Do you know what I mean? And we've done it in one take, boom, done. done. And so op Optical engineered that one. That was at Royal Express. And the A side, the original, was was made in Dillinger's bedroom. When he, still, when he was at his mum's still, do you know what I mean? Yeah. We sat in his bed and we, and we done it on an Akai 950. Yeah, <laughs> amazing, amazing. You know, and everyone's sort of like, you know, really uh, legendary in the game, you know, what a, yeah, yeah. the way that came together, you know what I mean? Amazing. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, and um, and that was the period where you're you're at the height of, you know, your powers in the scene as a, as a DJ and, um, and then the yeah. label is, uh, uh, becoming yeah. very important as well, you know? What did the yeah, label yeah. mean to you as part of that? Um, you know, the label, around about that time, you know, because we, we had we had V, and then that's when we started Philly Blood. That was the first yeah. that was the first release of Philly Blood. And then after we had Warning, Gangsta. Huge so, uh, Warning yeah, as like, well, huge. absolute classic. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? So, you know, the labels were really thriving at that point. And, you know, it was all getting ready, like the build up to releasing the represent album. Do you know what I mean? Yes. On Talking Loud. So that was kind of all the build up to that. So that was like the climax where it just went boom like that. And we kind of arrived. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. On not just the John Bass scene, but like a worldwide scene level. And for a lot of us that were into like, you know, the. As, as you know, I was into the rare groove and the, and the, the jazz, jazz funk fusion stuff. You know, to hear these sounds being incorporated into, you know, what was originally rave music and this new sound evolving, you know, it was, it was a really important time, you know? I really picked up yeah, on that. Yeah. yeah, you can see, I mean, okay, we're, we're releasing this as a podcast, so perhaps we're not going to see the video version, but you can see behind me, I've got all my vinyl and stuff like that, and you know, and, uh, and and it's just such a passion for so many of us. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what's yeah. important for me yeah. doing this podcast to bring a, a little bit of light and happiness at the current time and, um, and, and, and make this feel good show. Um, yep. I, I just yep. want to thank you for joining me on this show um, and, oh, and talking to our audience and having a nice catch up. So often they don't actually get to hear from their favorite DJs and, and producers. Yeah. You know, they're just uh, a, a name on a record label or on a flyer. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah. it's nice to be able to engage in this way. I know the audience appreciate it. Me, yeah, I, I totally appreciate it. Me, the audience appreciate it. 
Frost, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining thank us. You, thank you for everything you've done for the scene. God bless you. God bless you, my brother. Peace, everyone. Thank you, guys. God bless you all, man. Thanks for listening to the Bass Impact Podcast. Please subscribe for more episodes and follow Suburban Bass Records on our Facebook, Instagram and YouTube for updates and additional content. Thanks for your support. Tune in next time and stay safe. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.